If you are looking to continue developing your coaching skills or have a new coach that you'd like to train or onboard, check out our upcoming activity coaching clinics. We are hosting both our basics and advanced clinics every Monday for our basics clinic and Tuesday for our advanced clinic from 1.30 to 3 Central Standard Time. It runs October 2nd through November 6th, and you can learn more and register at heatherpriceconsulting.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Activity Coaching Conversations with Heather and Sabina, where we discuss coaching strategies for the overachievers, the slow starters, and everyone in between. We're going to share everything we know about instilling early success habits, the science behind activity, and how to build a values-based, FR-centered coaching philosophy. Activity Coaching Conversations is all about balancing accountability with the art and science of coaching. Welcome to episode number 15, Discovering Your Markets or DYM. Coaches, if you have at least a couple months under your belt, then you have probably already heard one of the most common concerns or roadblocks for new reps, which is, I ran out of people to call. And of course, there can be a variety of reasons for this, including not prospecting effectively, Uh, but we're going to have an entire episode on prospecting in the near future. But oftentimes, they have run out of names or people to call because they never had enough people to call to begin with. And today, we are going to discuss the importance of an effective discovering your markets plan. You know, over the years, I have consulted with many offices on DYM, and I'm always interested to hear what clients think or what they believe that DYM entails. And some will say, oh, yeah, we use the the Project 200, which kind of cracks me up because that tells me how long they've been around because it's been called the market identifier for a very long time. Um, But then there's silence after that, right, which means that's probably the only part of the tool they're using. Or they'll say, You know, sometimes we use the market surveys, and the word sometimes is always a red flag for me. Another common thing I hear is, we used to have the FR present their completed plan, but we stopped doing that. And then when I ask why they stopped, they either say they don't know, or they say, eh, it was just too long, or it wasn't effective, et cetera, et cetera. Um, AKA, we got bored or tired of hearing all of the plans. So a little PSA, right, a public service announcement is while you may have listened to over 100 DYM plans presented, you have to remember that it's the only plan that each individual FR has likely presented. Uh, And it's a big deal for them. And it's a crucial component to their success in the first few months. Um, As an activity coach, you want to make sure that you are revisiting uh, this helpful tool and utilizing it as a resource in your coaching. So let's dive in. To help us talk about this topic today is Director of Training and Development, Megan Hart from the Miller office in Pittsburgh. Uh, Megan, I thought of you in your office right away when we decided to highlight this topic. Your team has consistently done a really solid job of executing in this space. So thank you for being here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, In my opinion, discovering your markets has always been and will always be a selection and development tool. I really feel like people forget the selection part of it. And I think it's a process within several processes, right? Um, A lot of different components go into it and it spans over a long period of time from the moment they start in the selection process all the way, you know, through at least their first six months. So Megan, give us a brief overview to start of, of your DYM process, when and where and how you use DYM. Yes, absolutely. So 
We use the DYM, I mean, it lives in our selection process, it lives in onboarding, it lives in training, and it lives all the way, like you just mentioned, through the first six months, really, in coaching. So for us specifically, it starts in the selection process with the market surveys. Typically, they're being assigned in the second or third interview after the in-depth in between that third interview. So we'll assign about 10 to 15 surveys in hopes that the right candidate will bring back about 50 or 60 referrals just in the selection process. When you asked me this question, immediately I think of one of our GDDs, Sebastian, and he actually assigns five market surveys in that second interview, in addition to 100 names and numbers between the second and third interviews. Then he comes back in that third interview, reviews those, and then assigns another 150 names and numbers in another 10 market surveys between the third and the offer meeting. So that by the time that they're offered, and in between, if it's a mutual fit, that they start onboarding, that their whole, are, we call it the market identifier, not Project 200, but um, the 250 names and numbers is actually done before they even have their first meeting with our onboarding coordinator, Lady Mead. I love that, Megan. I Because one thing I want to say is I see this often um, that, you know, they, they based on the market surveys and how everything goes, they make an offer to apply for a contract, right, for the rep. And then all of a sudden they start doing the back end of the workbook and telling them to get the names. And they've already made the offer to apply. And then all of a sudden they can't come up with 200, 250 names and they're kind of stuck, right? It's like, okay, we've already offered this rep and now they can't even come up with enough people to call. So I love that that decision is already made before. Yes. Yep, exactly. Um, So Sebastian is a one-off and it's almost like a trial. Let's see how this goes. And if it goes well, which it has been so far, he's been doing that for the last couple of classes. Why not replicate that? Mm -hmm. Um, But I would say overall for the majority of our other growth and development directors in both the network office and the districts as well, they are just assigning those between the second and third interview and just getting getting used to asking for referrals and at least knowing what a market survey is in that process before they have that first conversation with Lainey. So Lainey Mead is our onboarding coordinator. And after they accept um, an offer, they'll have an initial meeting right away with Lainey. So she'll go over through a couple contracting and licensing things, but she actually has a market identifier workshop where she explains the entire DYM, every single tab, and goes through because what we've found is we can just throw this big market identifier Excel document at them. But if they don't almost have someone hand-holding them through it and explaining the importance of the why behind the ask, it's kind of just an Excel document with no purpose behind it. And essentially, this is the start of their business. It's their business plan. And hopefully, I know Lainey always says, the first and last time you'll ever have to create one. So that's in selection and onboarding. Um, In addition to those meetings with Lainey, they are diving deep into the market identifier also with their growth and development director. So they are picking apart every tab that is on that market identifier. So we have everything from obviously the 250 names and numbers. We have a bunch of tabs that go along with that to really help them understand where are some of your niche markets? Um, Who do you know? For me, when I was a rep, it was hotel restaurants. I had a lot of hotel restaurant individuals on my market identifier. So picking apart niche markets that you can capitalize on. Also, we have the tab of just what is your why and your mission? Why are you doing this? Why did you join NM? 
And then we have a project fast start, market potential, market selection, their action plan, and also going through your budget and cash flow to see if even if this is like a financially feasible career for you. And then as you mentioned, Heather, we do have the candidates in training present their market plan to the class. We picked out a couple of the tabs that we wanted them to present on to say, hey, what are some markets that you have a niche in and how do you plan to reach out to them and who's going to hold you accountable to that? And then what are some markets that you could see yourself getting into that you aren't in yet? And what could be some strategies around that? So that's in training. We do have them present that and hold themselves accountable to their business plan. And then as you mentioned too, I recently have found myself going back to the DYM a few months into the business. Once they start to run dry or hit their first few roadblocks in the business. And I love to go back to the why. Why did you choose this career? Especially on the down days, because we all know it's a roller coaster business. So definitely referring back to why did I start here anyway? And just taking time and maybe in an activity coaching meeting, not even going through numbers, but like referring to that and just spending time there, as well as going through the individuals that you started with, with a fine tooth comb, like maybe revisit, revisit these conversations with those people you called in training that you didn't meet with. I love it. So really good high level overview of the process and what's taking place where. Let's pick apart some of these pieces um, because I think they're worth um, you know, digging into. So um, a couple other things on the market surveys and Sabina, I know you want to weigh in. You have a lot of really strong feelings on this as well. Um, I would say, you know, I, I love what you shared, uh, you know, how Sebastian is doing that. Um, I think the important thing too is that you are doing a really good job of debriefing the feeling side of that, right? Like, okay, how was that experience of asking for referrals, right? And um, did you enjoy it? And how difficult was it for you? Or was it easy for you? Or do you see yourself? Could you see yourself asking for these names on a regular basis, right? So not just checking the box. Yep, okay, they did it. They completed the survey. Um, but really, I think digging into that is is so important. Sabina, anything that you would add around market surveys? I would say back in the days when I was in the office, the market surveys I think are so critical because they provide the closest approximation of what a field experience is going to be like. You know, you're in front of people, you're asking them some personal questions, and then you're prospecting. And, and, I think sometimes when people stop using market surveys, they think, oh, it scares people off. You know, like people have a negative reaction to it. And I thought, well, <laughs> better you know yes, in the market survey it's a selection section <laughs> than you know <laughs> right. three months in. So I I do feel strongly about those because I think it it attracts the right people. And if people are intimidated by the market surveys, um, the career is going to knock them flat. So I think it's a critical tool. Absolutely, I totally agree. And I think overall, I I know Sebastian definitely does it. I would say that our GDDs do do a nice job taking that step back and reflecting, okay, how did you feel about this? And if you, do, if you didn't feel good, it's a really good reflection that this career probably most likely is not for you. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. Let's talk a little bit about the market identifier. This one is interesting, right? Because I feel like this is the space where they have the most room to BS. Because <laughs> um, it's easy to put down a bunch of names and a bunch of numbers. But sometimes I wonder you know, are they doing it just to fill it up and to check the box? Or do they really realize that, um, you know, this is for you and for your business. It's not just a hoop to jump through. Um, so if, if you're cheating the system or you feel like you're, you're, you know, 
you're doing something because they told you to do it, it you're only hurting yourself, right? Um, I will often hear when I'm coaching reps in activity coaching meetings, they'll say, you know, we'll go back. Well, let's go back and revisit your market identifier. You said you had 500 names. Well, I only had numbers for 200 of them. Okay, well, that's a problem, right? Or, well, you know, I, I put those numbers in, but I'm not sure they're accurate numbers. So I think it's important in the process early on to tell the reps that we know what BSing looks like and not to do it because it's only going to hurt themselves in the long run, right? Like we're not asking you to do this for us. We're asking you to do this for you. Additional thoughts on that? Yes. Um, I, <laughs> although I don't think we say, hey, just so you know, you, should, you shouldn't BS this. Um, <laughs> a lot of that should hopefully go without, without saying. Um, all of that said, over the last probably year or so with Lainey. I'll just keep bringing Lainey up because I think she's an all-star in the onboarding space and driving that market identifier and the inspection of it. I'll emphasize the term inspection. Um, this actually just happened in our last training class. Um, they'll, they'll hand them to her right before training and right before they're imported into CRM and before she even sends them to our TPC. She herself like goes through it with a fine-tooth comb like and has found um, I guess, BS information, if you will. And so she'll mm -hmm. send it back to the mentor first, like, hey, this is what I spotted. Maybe you should address it, but I thought I would pass it along. So, and at that point, it's in the hands of the mentor and the candidate, but I think she does an awesome job picking that out. And we never had that before. And I know when I was going, I was running the onboarding, there were definitely times where I just didn't know know what I didn't know. And I didn't know that you should inspect that. I kind of had too much faith in people. Um, <laughs> but it, yeah, I think it's, a, it's their business. They need to be taking it seriously. Yep, absolutely. A couple other uh, resources or tools within DYM that we didn't mention necessarily specifically are the market potential and the market descriptor worksheets. I think those often get skipped or they kind of breeze over them, but there's really some good info in there. Um, you know, an FR can come up with the greatest markets they want to work in, but things like do they have actually have access to that market? How big of a market is it, right? I think it's, we have to be really honest with the FRs and give them feedback. So not everyone can work in the physician's market, right? Um, and, you know, another thing is, do they have enough financial feasibility, right? Looking at, you know, what markets they want to call in. If they used to be, you know, a waiter or a waitress beforehand, and they're going to call all their wait, waiter or waitress friends, it's like, okay, that's great. But financially, that might, you, you might have to look at some other markets. Um, so I think really digging into the market potential and the market descriptor worksheets, um, giving them that feedback, um, making sure that, you know, they, they know what the reality is of, of who they're planning on calling. Anything else on, on those tools specifically? Yes, absolutely. I agree, especially with me going through this myself. And when I was going through onboarding as a rep, I, I did have a lot in the like hotel restaurant industry. And although that was who I had a lot of contacts with, there wasn't a lot of, I guess, money, if you will, or opportunity to grow a big business off of that. It was a start, but I, I definitely remember having those conversations with my GDD, like this is a good start, but probably not a place where you want to grow your business around solely. So it's definitely a good conversation starter and not an area to skip over for sure. Another part of DYM that, again, I think is such a 
big, important part of the selection process, but people often wait until the end of the process to use it, is the liabilities and cash flow analysis. Um, financial feasibility is huge, um, a big part of whether or not they're going to make it in this business. I would say don't wait to complete this until after you've made an offer or don't wait until the very end. Um, this should be part of, you know, the second interview wherever you're having that compensation information or excuse me, conversation, pull out discovering your markets, pull out the liabilities and cash flow. Um, you know, use it earlier on for sure. I wanted to add one thing to that because this is especially true with career changers because they tend to have more responsibilities. I mean, there's a much bigger risk if you come into the business when you're much more established. And so I think that financial feasibility is huge for that. I've seen I've seen that go south more times than I care to think about and all because we didn't really have a true conversation about that. So true. I was just going to add that our GDDs are really passionate about the financial feasibility conversation with career changers for sure but also with those right off of the college campus. like So you know this is what you're getting into. Do you have a chunk of savings? Is If not, maybe this time isn't the right time, but why don't we spend the next three months building up some sort of blanket coverage for you? I know our GDDs are really passionate about that conversation in the selection. For those offices who have gotten away from having their reps present their plan, I just want to reiterate that the importance of people gaining conviction by what they hear themselves say out loud, right? So going through the process and putting it down on, on paper is one thing, and they're going to gain a ton from that. It's going to be very helpful, but actually being able to present it to a group of their peers, to their leaders who they're going to be working with is a step that I would say if you have not done it or you've gotten away from doing it, I would encourage you um, to going, going back to, to it if you aren't already. Okay, so a couple questions for you, Megan. Let's talk about the reality, right, around the execution of this. So what happens if an FR doesn't have 250 names? Like, yep. tell me more about that. So as part of the recent new launch stipend program, we had this included as part of a $1,000 bundle. So ironically, this just happened with a candidate that was going through our process in the, our one of our most recent training classes. And the candidate didn't hit the 250 names. So I think first and foremost, it's most important to connect with the mentor and just make sure that everyone as a greater team is on the same page about this individual. Obviously, having that network base is super important to start this business. So one, let's make sure that the candidate is in the know that they're not going to get $1,000. We wouldn't want that to be an unfortunate surprise. So that conversation is being had with the candidate first and foremost. Second, let's take a step back. They don't have a great market. What pieces or parts or characteristics of this candidate makes us want to continue to have them in training and eventually a part of the company? So weighing those options as well. And we decided that, yes, we like him. He is doing a great job in the process aside from this. And we'll just have to emphasize maybe prospecting opportunities. So a few weeks gone by, the candidate has taken himself out of the training class. And so I think I, I definitely wouldn't have, and I don't think we should have done anything different. And I know that we learned a lot throughout this situation as well as the candidate. I think just going through training and onboarding, I think everyone leaves a better person and more knowledgeable about professionalism in the financial services industry. So that is kind of how we handled that situation. So Everyone was on the same page, didn't get paid, 
where are we going to have to capitalize on strengths and help with weaknesses? And the systems always, they always kind of just play out. Yep. I love the follow through, the execution, not making exceptions, right? Because um, <clears throat> if you if you did make an exception right away at the very beginning on something like that, imagine yep. <laughs> what the expectation would be moving forward if they right. weren't meeting what they needed to exactly. do. Sabina, anything you would add to that? No, I think that's a great example. And it always brings to mind something that we say regularly, which is, you know, we generally like the people that we're recruiting, right? Like when at any point in the process, we almost always like them. Um, but that's, it's usually not enough to, to propel them forward. So I think we all are going to learn lessons about things. And, you know, I, I think that's, uh, that's just how it goes as long as you learn and move forward. And, and I still feel like that candidate probably learned something really important about themselves that's going to help them, you know, as they move on to whatever career they'll succeed at. That's why I don't feel bad about it. And it's such a high turnover, as you know, it's a high turnover business and retention. But like, if you don't put 110% into each and every person, you don't know who's going to be that 20%. So I don't, I don't mind it. So we covered some of this already, but Megan, what would you say in your opinion constitutes a really solid marketing plan? Like in some of the best ones that you've seen, what has made it the best that you've seen? All of the columns filled out, not just the names and numbers. So like, how do you know them? Where do they live? What is your relationship with them? Obviously a phone number. If you have an email, that's, that's great, but the phone number as well. And all of the tabs too, in our DYM, filled out and completed, and having done that with your mentor. So um, obviously, the 250 names numbers with all that demographic information, we have a tab called um, Fast Start. So um, who are your first 30 prospecting meetings going to be? Who are your first 10 joint work meetings going to be? Who are your first five new clients going to be? Um, and then reviewing the data analysis tab, I think is always nice. We have that on ours. So basically just taking all of your demographic information, putting it into like a little pie graph, separating that out. Um, the market potential selection action tab, cash flow. And um, I think the inspection is huge. I'll emphasize that again. Um, Lainey and the mentors do a great job with that. And just taking it seriously, not just throwing names and numbers onto a document, because at the end of the day, that's what it could be. But if they're taking this more seriously, that's the start of their business. It's a better indication that they're going to take the rest of their career seriously. Um, And I think the big piece that we've already talked about is also the financial feasibility. We don't want to set someone up for failure, drag them through the mud, that they fully understand what they're getting themselves into from a financial perspective. You know, Sabina and I often use an expression, and I, I know I learned this from you, Sabina, <laughs> which is you can't make a silk purse out of a sow's yep. ear, right? And to me, it's so hard as an activity coach to really, we've all had them, right? We have all coached those really difficult people where we're scratching our heads and we're like, how did they get through the selection process? Yeah. Um, and it does happen. It does happen. But these are the tools and resources, discovering your markets and all of the parts in it that really help to make sure you are bringing somebody on who is not only a good fit, but is also prepared and ready to go. I love that you have that fast start tab and that you're using this as a way to say, you know, okay, not, you know, not just great job. You've got 250 names, but you're going a step further and you're saying, where are your first 25 facts? 
coming from? Where are your first clients coming from, right? I mean, you're really thinking forward and, and thinking in advance so that when they hit the ground, they are hitting the ground running. And I think that's awesome. Uh, a couple other things when we think about how to utilize DYM as a coaching tool, right? So now now they're in, they're a full-time rep, they're in the middle of coaching, Um and here comes that question, right? Like, uh, I've run out of people to call. What am I doing? So I think a, a couple th- uh, things that are helpful. Number one, inspecting that they have called everyone on their list, right? So sometimes we'll hear, I just wanted to fill out my list with 200 names. Okay, well, but you put that name down for a reason, right? Clearly, you know this person. So they're on your list because you know them and you had a contact name. Let's talk a little bit more about <laughs> why you haven't called them, right? There's a, actually a lot of psychology behind why they aren't calling people on their list. So like you said, sitting down and inspecting and going going through that, you're going to hear things like, well, I, I haven't talked to them in five years. Okay, well, now's a good time to reach out to them, <laughs> right? It, it's fun to sit down and go through the names of people they haven't called and ask them why. Tell me why you haven't called this person. Uh, so it's You'll hear the funniest things. Um, but until you ask those questions and you go through it with the fine-tooth comb, that's how you can really start digging into the psychology behind it and how you can help them. Another suggestion that I think works very well is reviewing the self-analysis section. And I don't know how many people actually use the self-analysis part. It's right at the beginning of the book. It's actually before the market identifier. And it's kind of surface level, but it basically goes through a group of categories and asks, you know, what associations do you have membership of? So whether it's clubs to which you belong, maybe it's families and relatives, hobbies, past work experiences, places of worship, schools you attended, your neighborhood, your personal and professional advisors, um, you know, things like dentist, attorney, accountant, chiropractor, all of those things in your personal world, right? I mean, we all see the doctor, we all go to the dentist, some of us go to the chiropractor, you know, whatever all of those personal services are. Um, The self-analysis worksheet in there is designed to help them think of those people. So making sure that you're going back to those categories when they're stuck and they don't know who to call, um, helping them think about all of the people in their circle. Um, and then lastly, the, the one, three, and six-month follow-up questions. Most people do either they don't know or they've forgotten that there is actually a section in the back that has questions for DYM follow-up. So again, when you're hearing, I've run out of people to call, um, and of course, again, we know that prospecting is oftentimes the issue, but this DYM can be also, um, use those questions, right? Ask them, what changes do you need to make based on what you've learned about working in this market? You've been in this market now a couple months. What are you learning? What needs to change or be tweaked? Or how can we take what you've learned the last couple months about this market and build on that? I think there's a lot of places you can go within this tool that maybe people forget about. Megan, Spina, additional thoughts on that or other ways that you're using the tool in your coaching? I think actually, Heather, I didn't know about the one, three, and what was it, six month question? One, three, and six month follow up questions. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. I knew I knew I would have a takeaway from this. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to have to go back and, awesome. and dive into that because I, right off the top of my head, I, I can think of a couple of people I need to do that with. Yes. And then I think I, I mentioned this piece earlier, but just going back to their why is one of my biggest coaching tools. I think I'm a big why and vision person. I like to try and do that as well. So I think just having something in writing that you can reflect back on and know that it will change over time based on their time in the business, especially on those tough days. Sabina, anything you would add? Uh, Nope. I think uh, Megan has done an outstanding job of covering everything. I've um, I've actually learned a lot. (laughs) Awesome. Well, I I just have to say, 
and I wrote this down to make sure I addressed it. I think the majority of the things that we do and have in place are things that we've learned from you all. Um, so I just want to say thank you for everything that you do for us as a network office and also Northwestern Mutual as a whole. I still show Sabina's Aww. activity coaching E3 in every training. Oh. <laughs> well, thank you. That's a, that makes me feel good. Doesn't it make you feel good, Heather? I love that. Yes. Thank you. Of course. That's why we do it. Seriously, that is That's why right. we do it. So, it's fun. It's fun. Um, it is fun. We enjoy it. Um, one last piece of my best advice before we go into our Say That Again segment is if you have not read or it's been a long time, cover to cover, and I'm saying cover to cover because I'm thinking of the hardcover version, but if it's electronic, then page one to page, last page, um, take the time to read it from cover to cover. Understand from the FR's perspective what they're reading, how all the parts fit together, what the story is around DYM. It's kind of like the Granite book, like building a financial services clientele. You could read it a hundred times and every time you still walk away with something different and an aha. Um, so refresh yourself, take some time, uh, read it, you know, page to page, I think you'll find a lot of value in that. All right, let's wrap up with our Say That Again. Okay, so Sabina or Megan, who's going to be my rep? We're going to role play a rep who has run out of people to call. Who wants to be the FR? I can be. It doesn't matter. That, that works. Okay, yep, all right. That works. Sounds good. Okay, uh, Megan, it looks like your QSs have been really down um, this month. Tell me a little bit about what's going on. Heather, I am asking in every single meeting, no one's giving me any referrals. The referrals that I do get, no one's answering the phone. I just, I, I don't have anyone to call. A couple things. I know you've been working really hard on your language. We've been role-playing, and so I know you are asking every time. I feel like we're, we're doing the best we can to tackle the skill issue. Um, my question for you would be, you know, when was the last time you went back and revisited your market identifier? I probably haven't visited that since probably my interview process. And then oh, in training, when I started calling people, it's been a while. Okay. So do you remember of the 250 plus names that you had? You had such a great list. How many of those people have you called? I'd have to go back and look, but I'd say probably at least 175 of them. Oh, wow. Okay. So a couple thoughts. Number one, the fact that you're not sure when you looked at it last time tells me there's an opportunity there in and of itself, right? So let's um, sit down and actually go through um, all of the people on the list. So you've called, you said about 175 of those names. What has prevented you from calling the other people? That Why haven't you reached out to the rest of the people on your list? So I know a lot of them are like people way above my, my grade level. Mm. They make so much more Money, big whales that I'm really scared to call that mm. I, do, I think it would be a waste of their time to sit down with me maybe. And then others, I think I just haven't talked to them since high school and I just really wanted to throw them on there to get that $1,000. Mm -hmm. So when you um, initially put these people down, what were your thoughts on including them in your market identifier? I scrolled through my phone and I thought, mm, I, I used to like them in high school. <laughs> and I, I threw them on there and Thought that they wouldn't hate hearing from me one day, but I, it's been hard to pull the plug and press dial. Yeah. Yeah. I know, Megan, you have done such a great job with uh, joint work since you've started. You're doing at least 50% joint work. How do you feel about the people that you're bringing along? Are they knowledgeable? Are you learning a lot from them? Do you trust them, your joint work partners? I do. I do. To yes to all the above. Okay. So is there is there anything that would prevent you from 
you know, bringing one of those amazing joint work partners along with you to these people that you feel are above your pay scale or that you would be a waste of time? No, I guess it's just the the picking up the phone piece mm-hmm. that scares me. Yeah, a little bit of courage, right? Yes. So what it, what is the worst thing that's going to happen when you pick up the phone and call? Uh, I guess they could hang up on me. They could say no. They could. What else might happen? They could say yes. They could say yes, right? And I always feel like when it comes to courage and, you know, calling those Mr. Biggs, or I think you called it a whale, um, it it helps really to say that um, I work with a team of experts and together we help people with, right? So so it's not just you, right? Especially if they know that you're new in the career. Um, So for you to be able to say that you work with a team of experts or a team of specialists really, you know, should help address that concern. Or any like concerns that. that they might have. Um, well, let's do this. Let's go ahead and schedule some time to really sit down in our next meeting and go through with a fine tooth comb everybody on that list. And actually, you know what? Why don't you even go through it between now and our next meeting? I want you to show up um, on Thursday with a list of at least 25 people that you know you could call that are still remaining on that list. Does that sound doable? It does. It does. Okay. Excellent. Well, let's start there. Um, and then we can, you know, even dig in a little bit further um, if you bring your plan to the next meeting. Okay. Awesome. All right. So kind of surface level, but you get the idea, right? Um, Kind of digging into some of the the fears and concerns underneath it, um, you know, behind why they might not be calling. Sabina, any other additional thoughts? Nope. I think you handled that beautifully, as you always do. So I don't think (laughs) I can improve. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, Megan, it has been a pleasure. I have always enjoyed working with you. Thank you for taking time to be here with us today. And to all of our listeners, we appreciate you. We hope you found value in our content today, and we look forward to having you join us next time. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us today for Activity Coaching Conversations with Heather and Sabina. If you found value in this conversation, please like, share, and leave a review in your favorite podcast app. And to learn more about our activity coaching clinics and how to hone your skills, visit heatherpriceconsulting.com. Link is in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. Keep learning and growing.